This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Good evening. No, actually, good night. So, um, let's talk a little bit about Hanukkah for a minute. So, somebody wanted to know what kind of Hanukkah I had. Or, how do you know if you had a good Hanukkah? So, did I get the shit last week? I didn't get the shit last week. I'm relying on the shit. So, we know that the whole Hanukkah is about the the hidden light, the 36 hours that the sun was out, the sun was out in the world when he created it, and that under that sun nothing would die, and nothing would rot. It's called the Lamed Vav, the 36 hours of the Arhaganos, uh, the hidden light. And Hashem saw that since nothing died, nothing rotted, that the Rishayim would live forever. And that would not work well for the world. So... He took it and he hid it till Mashiach comes. Well, he brings it down to Bnei Sultan. He brings it out in many places that those 36 hours are actually in the candles. And if you take the candles, one the first night, two the second night, you add that's three, three plus three, six, six plus four is ten, you do every single night, comes out to 36, the 36 hours. So we had this crazy light last week, this crazy light in, the, in, in, our, in our houses, and it was the Aragonos, and it was in the Menaira, and you're supposed to take that light into the winter. So after Hanukkah, until Purim, there's no Yom Tovim. And this is called the darkest period of, you know, the night is very, very long. It's cold, it's winter, it's very, very dark. And you're, you're supposed to take this light with you, right? You're supposed to take this light with you. What does that mean, Rabbi Wallace? What am I, what, what am I supposed to take with me? Like, uh, so somebody asked me, how do you know if you had a successful Hanukkah? I told them it's very simple. Last night, what's tonight? Tuesday night, right? So, not last night. Sunday night, we lit the last candle we lit Matzah Shabbos. So Sunday night, did you go to your window automatically and miss that the menorah wasn't there? Or were you like, oh, no menorah, I can come home late tonight? Did you miss that? Did you, did um, Monday morning, were you like, oh man, I can't say hello today. That's terrible. I want to say hello to Hashem. Were you like, yes, no halal? If you felt yes, no halal, you didn't have a good Hanukkah. If you didn't miss the Menorah that night, Sunday night, and come home early and like, I wish I... It's like, you know, sitting at the, at the table with the family, eating latkes, spinning dreidel, singing Monsoor. I miss Monsoor. Monsoor's over. And it was halal, was over. If that didn't bother you, you didn't have a good Hanukkah. It's like uh, Rabbi Moshe Meir Weiss said many years ago at, a, at, a, at an Oyitzvah Shabbaton. And he said, if it doesn't bother you in the hotel when you walk out your door that there's no mezuzah, you're not in a good place. When you're in a hotel, there's no mezuzah. Oh, man. How can I come into a room? There's no mezuzah. I feel not secure. I don't feel holy. Right? That's how you should feel. If it doesn't bother oh, no mezuzah, great. You know, I don't have to kiss it. Then you're not, on the, you're not in the right place. I know, this is, I go to the cleaners, Sandy's cleaners on Avenue J. Every time I walk out, I put my hand to kiss the mezuzah. It's owned by a Chinese guy. But if, you, if you're used to it, and you're used to kissing the mezuzah, you miss it. It's like, oh my God, there's no mezuzah on the door. You miss it. So in a hotel, there's no mezuzah anywhere. It's just bothers you when you walk. If it doesn't. So if you, if you miss Hanukkah right now, that tonight's not Hanukkah, you had a good Hanukkah. If you miss in the morning saying, Halat Hashem, you had a good Hanukkah. If you don't miss any of that stuff, so it was here, goodbye. I don't have to get my hands dirty. I don't have to come home at 5 o'clock anymore. 
don't want no rishchayish in the middle. It's you know that's how a person knows. But the truth is that what are you supposed to take with you? You can't take a candle with you. It's very natural. Also, you take the light. So first of all, I said something very deep on Shabbos that no matter how light it is, if your eyes are closed, it's dark. So you could have had a Hanukkah and it was light and nervous and everything. But if you don't open your eyes, then you can be in this room right now. If you close your eyes, it's dark. So the only way to see the light is to have your eyes open. Even if you're carrying the light from Hanukkah, to have your eyes open. What, what does that mean? What am I talking about? So spoke a lot about it on Shabbos. And so what should you what should you take? I told the story of the elevator with the steps. What are the person? What should a person take with them um, into the winter? And and and. What we have to take into the winter, which is such an um, important lesson, because truthfully, can you give me a sitter? Give me a sitter for a second. Truthfully, if there was no miracle of, of uh, Hanukkah lights, we would have had Hanukkah anyway. You guys don't even know that. You know that? If there was no miracle for the eight days, if, if the candle, the whole candle story didn't happen, we still would have had Hanukkah. How do you know that? Come on, boys, you're smart. How do you know that? If you say it out loud, then you're going to be on tour any time. <laughs> no. How do you know they never found a can of oil or if they would have lit the can of oil and it would have just lit that day and gone out? We still would have had Hanukkah. How do you know that? Come on. Huh? The war. How do you know that you would have had, you would have had a yuntus because of the war? You guys, it's my fault because I started the shit so late. Definitely at 10 o'clock you would know the answer. It's now 10 to 11. What? No. Come on. They're all watching. They're waiting. They're all screaming at their screens right now. Ah! What's the end of cold? Why is it called Hanukkah? Because of a candle? No. Hanukkah. Because they rested from the war on the 25th. The whole holiday is called after the war. But there would have been no candle. It still would have been called Hanukkah. That's what it's named after. Hello, how you doing? <laughs> so, so what's up with the candles? So it would have been a yantiv anyway. How do you know that? Besides that, the name is Hanukkah from Alanisim, because Alanisim does not say we celebrate right celebrate. It says that these days Alohaydays. And it doesn't say because we had candles for one day that lasted eight days. It says because of the war. So the whole Hanukkah, the whole Hanukkah by the name of it, really represents the war. That's it. It seems to be that the candle business came after that. And if you, if you look at Alanisim, it tells us. And then it says, And you, right, you made a, a, a great victory and a great miracle on that very day. But Achar came, after thought, after it's already Hanukkah because they won the war, they came to the house. 
and they turned over the Hechel. The Tiharuath Mikdash Hechel. And they made the Beis HaMikdash Tohar. Then Then they lit the candles. Seems so far at this point there's no miracle. Right? Then the last thing it says, And they made these eight days of Hanukkah to praise Hashem. Why eight days? According to this Alanisi, there's no reason for eight days. They went, they won a war, they cleaned up, they lit the Menorah, and for that reason, eight days, it doesn't say anything about it lasting for eight days. Not a word. So the whole Alanisi, if you look at it, doesn't really make that much sense. Because it's already telling us, and there's a miracle for eight days, and you're not telling me why. To me, why should it be eight days? They won a war, they cleaned up, they lit the Menorah, and, and now we say halal. So, there is a chazal that says, boys, there was no can of oil. I think it's even the chidah. There was no can of oil. Right. And that... But, but you also mentioned there was the oil. The other oil, we're going to get to that. There was no can of oil. And that the first day, why do we celebrate eight days? The first day wasn't a miracle, right? One day we had enough oil. The first day, Shem made a nace and he created a can of oil. Because Rokh was also called the Kayan Gadol, by the way. In many Midrash, when Hashem was called the Kayan Gadol, when he went into Mitzrayim and the basic part, the whole story, and it had the seal of the Kayan Gadol on it. Because Rokh made a nace, and that's why the first day we celebrate, because it's not really a nace, they created a can of oil on the spot. One, one, one Chazal. So, that's a different Chazal that it was his can of oil. But that's a, that's a separate Chazal, and that or, or There's a whole thing that I saw. Like we spoke about That was that can of oil that continued right, pouring that, 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 from the matzeva. Right. So, well, I also saw another mafarish that says that it like like the like the like the aisle that this can of oil was in a different. It wasn't in the physical world, and it was brought from that other world into this world. So, what's going on over there? And this is really the lesson that all of us need to take into the winter. And the lesson is as follows. That Hanukkah was happening anyway. We won the war. They made a yadif that we won the war. They came to the Beis HaMikdash and they were sure were very excited like when the Jews in 67 came to the Kosovo Maravi. I'm sure they were very excited they came to the Beis HaMikdash let's light up the Menaira. But the Kahanim, the Maccabees were Kahanim. The Kahanim were very into purity. And they said, even though Tumahotra Ritzibur, even though you could use any oil, what we're coming out of is assimilation. What's assimilation? Tame oil. You can daven, and you can learn, and you can wear tzitzes, and you can put on tzitzes. At the same time, you could be watching movies, listening to non-Jewish music, on the internet, on Facebook, but you're davening, and you're learning. So you're tummy dicker oil. Oil is, you're doing mitzvahs, but you're not pure. That's where they were coming out of. It wasn't, it wasn't, it's not always full assimilation that you become a guy, I'm marrying a guy, but you go in the ways of the guy, you become into the, you, you go into their culture, which we're part of. You go into their culture. So here they are coming out of Greek culture 
mixing with the Greeks to the point, very interesting. I don't know, I, didn't say, I don't think I said it here yet last week, that and it's such an important lesson that the B'nai Sathkar says that they were playing dreidel. And we know that dreidel said goishna. Right? That was my whole question. What did it say on the dreidel? There was no Yasham at that point. And a blank dreidel, you can't win. So the Greeks weren't stupid. How do you win this game? So it had to have letters on it. So we, the B'nai Sathkar says the letters were Gimel Shin Nun Hei, Goishna. Goishna reminds us next week's parasha that they, they built a town in Mitzrayim even though they knew they were going to Mitzrayim they knew they were Jews but Yaakov said you got to build a town we have to be separate we have to have yeshivas right so we wanted these kids when they were playing dreidel to know that they were different so they wrote Goshna on it so that Gimel Shin Nunhei Hashem said because you guys fought the Greeks and you don't want to assimilate I'm going to spin the dreidel and the letters are going to spin around from Goshna and become Neskadol Yasham same letters that's what he says so they ask the kasha. If the whole reason that they're playing dreidel is to remind them that they don't want to, that they want to learn to fool the Greek guards, why do you have to write Goshen on it? The whole dreidel, the whole game was created so that you could fool the Greeks so that you could learn. So why do you have to write Goshen? The whole dreidel game. Could have wrote one, two, three, four. The whole dreidel game was created because I'm learning. So you have to tell me that I'm different? I'm learning. That's why I'm doing it. He says very deep. He says, even though you're doing the game to learn, right? But the bottom line is the game that you're playing is Greek. It's gambling. It's spinning a top. So, so even though you're, you're, you're doing this to learn so that you can fool the Greeks, but it's still a Greek game. If it's a Greek game, it's going to have an effect on you. So even the Greek game has to have Gaishina. And I said, I wish I would have learned this shot. I would have gotten up by the, by the, when they gathered in that baseball field, whatever, and when they talked about filters, right? This is the best riot to filters. What do you want from me? I have an iPhone. I have, I have internet. But I'm only using the internet for learning, to go to Torah anytime. So what do I need a filter for? I'm using it for the right thing. This is the riot. You play dreidel to stay away from the Greeks. You can learn, but you play dreidel. And dreidel is a creation of gambling for the Greeks. So even though you're using it for the right thing, Chalim said, put letters all over it to remind them, Gaishna. So even though you're using the internet to learn, but it's, the internet belongs to the other side. And therefore, even though you're using it for the right thing, you need a filter. What a riot to the filter. What an unbelievable riot to the filter, the dreidel. Fantastic. It's true. So even if a person's using it, what do you mean? What do you want from me, Rabbi? I'm, I'm only using it for good things, yeah? So they're using the dreidel for good things, and they said, no, you got to put a filter, you got to write Goshna. So while they're playing, because otherwise, it, it, it's the same thing by, um, by, by Yitzhak, by Yitzhak. I mean, we spoke about this. So, so it says that when Esau married a Canaanim, so they, 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 they sacrificed to their avoid the Zara, and Yitzhak became blind. The smoke went into his eyes, and he became blind. So why? Because it was smoke from Rabbi Dezer, it was Tame. So everybody asked, so Rivka should become blind too. Smoke from Rabbi Dezer went into her eyes. So the Teretz is that Rivka was brought up by Lavan, by, by Besuel. So for three years, she was in a house of Rabbi Dezer. Now this is 40 years later, more than 40, 60 years later. So she's out of this house for 60 years, and she's in Sarah's tent, and she's living with Yitzchak. 
but the smoke of a Vedizara won't bother anymore because she's desensitized. Yitzchak was brought up in a house where Abraham Avinu made the Arabs wash their feet because they had sand and they bowed down to sand so you can't bring a grain of sand into my house. So his house was so pure so that it was so pure that a little bit of smoke from Avedizara, he was so sensitive to Tomei, to Tomei made him blind. So when you think you have kids, and, and that's why I, I met this person who doesn't let their kids watch TV. And I'm like, you don't want to watch Elmo? Sesame Street? Come on. What could happen from watching Sesame Street? Count Chocula, whatever his name is. You know, Cookie Monster, Oscar, The Grouch. I mean, come on, these are harmless big bird, like, these are, this, you know, these are harmless puppets. And they said, a kid that watches television doesn't have the kedusha that a, of a kid that doesn't. And I have to tell you, it's 100% true. I was in yeshiva, not that long ago, chassidish yeshiva, and I ended up in kindergarten, and I looked at these kids' faces, and you knew that at five years old, that child never watched a TV program. There's just a certain light. There's a certain brightness and beauty of Kedusha. A kid in Mersha Arim never saw Santa Claus. Now, we don't believe in Santa Claus, and we don't believe in Christmas. We're totally desensitized. We drive through it. We see it. I saw Nebuch people, Israelis, and other people going to our fellow center to see the tree. Hello? Going on a date, walking by to see the tree. Hello? You're Jewish, Right? But the tree is, is part of America, and it's, and, and, and it's very beautiful, sure. And the Spanish Inquisition, they took Jews, and they tied them to the tree, and then they burnt them. It's just a great thing, you know? And we just became totally desensitized. So we drive through. But, but, but a, a Chesisha kid from Yerushalayim, or B'nai Brak, they, they never saw Santa Claus. They never saw a tree. They're on a different level than we are. We're desensitized. So... The Jewish nation was desensitized, just light the candles, use tummy oil. And the Kahanim said, the Maccabees said, our fight here against the Greeks is to once again become pure. And therefore, the they went through the base Hamigdash and they said, we will not settle. This is assimilation. Taking tummy oil and using it, even though it's kosher, is a type of assimilation. We want total separatism. We want pure oil that was never touched. We want a Jewish kid that was never touched by the internet, by television, by movies, by non-Jewish music. We want it pure. If we're going to light the menorah, which gives the light, the spirituality to the Jewish nation, it has to be 100% pure. So, we had this Ask the Rabbi thing Friday night by the Shabbaton. And one of the questions that somebody asked was, does a Rebbe have a right to give Musa to a class if he himself is struggling with the same thing? So I answered, for instance, let's say Rebbe's always on a cell phone. Can he give his class a schmooze about being on their cell phone in class? Or being on his cell phone in shul when he himself is on, he's struggling with it, but it's wrong. It's wrong to be, let's say it's wrong to be on a cell phone in shul. So now, does he have a, a right? It's wrong and we all agree in this room it's wrong. So now, 
Even though I have this problem, and once in a while I look at my, let's say I look at my cell phone in shul, do I have the right to tell you guys it's wrong to have a cell phone in shul? Because because you're all gonna, it's true what I'm saying. You understand what I'm saying? So there were me and two other rabbis in this. So I said, not only is it wrong, it won't work. In other words, if I'm on a cell phone. If I talk to you guys about non-Jew, if I talk to you about not looking at girls or at women, and I crossed the street today, and a girl crossed the street, and I took a long stare at her, do I have a right to talk to you about it? And the answer is, yes or no, makes no difference. If I talk to you about it, not one guy in this room will walk out changed. Because, very interesting look at this phrase, Varim hayetzim and halev, Words that come out of a person's heart or soul, right? Goes into the other person's soul. So if my soul is not clean on that subject, it can't come out of my soul. It come out of my mouth. I give you a shear. I'm not looking at girls, but that shear will go in your ears and go out the other ear. It will never go into your soul. For my soul to speak to your soul. I cannot, my soul in that item, in other words, because I listen to non-Jewish music doesn't mean I can't give you Musr about looking at girls. That's a separate thing. I can't give you Musr about music, right? That might, I might be struggling with something else. But for me, if I'm listening to rock and roll or non-Jewish music or rap, and I'm telling you that you can't listen to, so if I am listening, and I'm also doing it, it's coming out of my mouth. From my mouth, nothing can get into your heart. The only way to get into your heart is from my heart. And from my heart, to give that over to you, then I have to be perfect in that. So that was my answer. The other rabbi sitting next to me didn't like it. Didn't like that answer. Because I'm hardcore. And he said, well, you should tell that student, let's say you're struggling with girls, with looking at women, when the student says to you, Rebbe, could you help me with my problem? You shouldn't say, well, I'm not the right guy. You should say, let's work on this together. Peace, man. So I was like, that's nice. But it would help him a lot more if someone who overcame that and who's pure gives, him a, gives, him, gives that over to him, puts it in his soul, because it's going to come into his soul pure. If you're not pure going to come to you, you know so so I've had this question um, it's a funny question do I do I not listen to non-Jewish music and keep my eyes as clean as I can and do the things that I do not watch movies and all that stuff um do I do it because I'm scared of Hashem? Because I want to do what he, what he wants? Or do I do it because I want to be able to help others and if, I do, if I'm doing the wrong thing myself, I can't help you? In other words, is it, is, it, is it because you want to teach and you want to give over to other people or is it because of Hashem? And I, and, and, and I doubt it, it has to start with because of Hashem. And, and if you're, I'm very, I'm very, I, I hate hypocrites. I think the thing that turns off most kids is when they see a hypocrite. 
if I preach something, I have to keep it. And if I can't keep it, I can't preach it. And the same thing with anyone else. You, you can't tell somebody, you can't give someone Musr on something you yourself have not, have not conquered. Because then it's not coming out of your heart, it's coming out of your mouth. So if you want to help somebody to stop doing drugs, then you got to stop doing drugs. You can't be smoking and telling somebody smoking is bad for you, even if that person doesn't know that you're not smoking. Because you're not getting into his heart. And, and, and that's what the, that's what the Kahanam saw over here. He said, for us to give a spiritual light after all this assimilation to the Jewish people, the oil has to be pure. And there wasn't, according to one Chazal, any oil. And Hashem said, you're right. And if that's what you're fighting for, and you're looking, and that's why it says, the Tiharu is Migdashecha, they made it Tahar, they made it holy, clean, pure, it didn't say it, I'll need some why. But that's why. Because they made it Tahar, and they weren't willing to take Tumah, so Kosh had to create a Pakshem, man. And it took eight days to get new oil, otherwise they would have to, so Kosh said, you want a Tahar? You need it. That's my whole smooth from whether you want it or need it. They didn't want to use pure oil. Because if you want, they look, they look, they look. We'd love to use pure oil. We looked for 24 hours. We looked for two hours, whatever it was. We didn't find it. Let's look to it. No. They said, we need to have pure oil. The other oil is assimilated oil. And that's why Chazal uses the word that the Greeks touched it. They broke the seal. If you broke the Kohen Gadol's seal, even though I could still use that oil, if some Greek touched it, it's, it's assimilated, it's touched by some Greek. If we're going to light a candle from that, then they're going to get, they're going to get Taha, they're going to get good stuff, but there's going to be some bad stuff in there. Some bad stuff, because it was touched by a Greek, it was touched by their, their way of thinking, by their, by, by, by their, their whole psychology. So therefore, no. We need something that's untouched. So Kershbach created it. Because that's what they needed. Like I told you the story with my dorm. If you need something, and it's the right thing, God will always give it to you. They said we're not lighting Tomei oil. And I think that that's what you need to take. You need to take into the winter. That, that, that. You've got to do one mitzvah. I don't care wh- whichever mitzvah you pick. But it has to be done with 100% sincerity and 100% pureness. And that, that pure oil, that pure mitzvah will give you the ability that it'll last forever. And that's what Hanukkah tells us. They didn't set up the second best, so the Hanukkah wasn't called Hanukkah for the oil. Hanukkah was called Hanukkah for the, for the war. The oil may not have happened. Had the Jews been used to Mahotra Bitsiva, there wouldn't have been no, no miracle. The miracle of the oil is that they searched and they looked and they searched and they looked. And that's why God says, take the menorah and put it in your window that everybody can see because Hashem wants to show off that we wanted to give him it's sort of like you could have bought a diamond with, some, with a little bit something wrong in it right but you search and you search and you search until you found a diamond with no flaws so that tells your wife that you really love her I searched I couldn't find it I went to another dealer another dealer and another dealer until I found one it was 100% perfect you went the extra step that's what Kleistrow did. And that's what you need to take into the winter. That not to give up. And to keep looking and to look and look inside yourself and keep looking and looking until you find something about yourself. It's one 
100% pure and to work on that. And everybody has something inside, whether it's prayer, whether it's what you listen to, what you see, chesed, whatever it is, you need to find, you do chesed, you need to find a chesed that you do with no ulterior motive. Nobody knows about it, nobody's going to talk about it, you're not showing off, no ulterior motive whatsoever. I heard another took a story this week, show you what a gadol is. I don't remember his name. You know, it's a there was a Rosh Hashiva, and there was a base manager, a few guys, like in this room, a few guys were learning, like four, five guys, six guys were in the room, and they were learning. And the door was closed because there was these kids who were bothering them the whole time. They decided, we don't want to be bothered, we want to learn. So they closed the door, they locked it. There's a knock on the door, and they're like, uh, who is it? Rosh Hashiva. Rabbi Black and Black. They're like, get out of here, you're not Rosh Hashiva, you guys trying to fool us. We want to learn, get out of here, leave us alone. Ten minutes later, now what? Let us learn, get away from the door. Rosh Hashiva. Yeah, Rosh Hashiva, Rosh Hashiva. She was in the base medicine. Get out of here. Leave us alone. Ten minutes later. For Shashiva. They're like, come on. Let's get these kids out of here. They open the No, no, no. I'm sorry. This is Shashiva. And they're like, one of the guys said, you know what? It sounds a little bit like him. So they say to the door, Shashiva, is it really you? He says, no. Open the door. He says, through the door, he says, but before you open the door, I'm telling you that I'm going to come through the door and my hands are going to be on my eyes and I want you to leave the room. Because the episode left the safe for whatever it is and he opened, they opened the door and they saw his talking. It was Rashiva and he had his hands over his eyes and until they all went out of the room and closed the door, he didn't look because he was scared. And even though they were making, they thought that, but he's going to look at them and say like a little bit of chutzpah, you kept me locked out here for 30 minutes. Right? He didn't want to know who did it. That's purity. That's that's a that's a different look. It's, I don't even want to know who was in the room because I might later on be a little angry that you made me wait for thirty minutes. So there's something in in something in every single person that's very pure. Whether it's whether it's Tarot Samishpacha, whatever it is, this, you need to take that, and that's what you need to take to take through the winter. And you have to say, this is I need this part of me to be pure. I'm not willing to mix it. With any tamatika oil, even though tamatika oil is too much ribitzimra. And it's a very important lesson. And that's why we have eight days of Hanukkah. If it would have just been the war, we would have had one day of Hanukkah. And we learn from this that, that the need of doing something pure and doing something right is teva, is above teva. And if you go into the winter knowing if you want to do something and, and anything that's done 100%, I can tell you from my experience in my life, if it's 100% pure and you're doing it 100% L'shem Shemayim, not to make money, not to get called up, you know, in front of everyone, not to become famous, if you're doing it 100% L'shem you can do things that nobody else can do, that the people who don't do L'shem cannot do. You can do the most amazing thing, you can change the world, but it has to be pure, and that's what we learn from Hanukkah. Hanukkah teaches us purity. And that's it. And the rest of it you don't have to worry about because Hadlaka uh, Oysimit, so once you light the menorah, if someone comes and blows it out, it's kosher. You don't have to relight it again, halacha. It's nice to relight it again, but you don't have to light it, relight it again. So even if you're not successful, you have to, you have to start off with the Tiaru as Migdashacha, that you have to be tar and you have to be holy. If you're holy, then you have a chance to, this winter, till Purim, you can change the whole world. Okay, that's on, that's on Hanukkah. The one, the Parsha. So, I want to 
I have to pull this apart a little bit. I want to tell you what's going on over here. So first of all, number one, why did Joseph do this whole story with the, with the um, saying that the twelve brothers, that the brothers were coming, the ten brothers were coming in through other doors because they were spies? Where did that come from? What do you want from them? What do you want from them? Where, where's the media connected media here? What do you want from them? Why do you make up stories that they're spies? Did anyone understand why he said that? Why he said that? What, what was that for? Myself a similar money? So Yeshiv HaTzadik was sending them many messages so that they would understand who he was. They came back when he said... And Yosef remembered the dreams. Tell me how you explain this passage in Miketz. He remembered the dreams that he dreamt about them. You are Miraglim. You came here to spy. Now, could you, anyone here, put the two together? He remembered the dream, so he called them spies. Did he, did he dream spies? He dreamt that they bowed down to him. He couldn't get them to bow down to him without this whole craziness. What is, what, how does this possibly make sense to anyone here? He remembered the dreams that he dreamt. He said, you are Miraglim. So what does that do be Miraglim? Because he showed me, I thought the ruler telling that you're a spy. So, that doesn't make you a ruler. Well, if I call you a spy, it makes me a ruler? Because what happened from the dreams? They called them a Baal What did they do? They went ahead and they were what? They said he was Chayev Misa. They were Chayshib Bicharim. They said he's Chayev Misa. They judged him. Right? And we know he wasn't Chaim so that's why he didn't die. It was Chaim So he said, I want you to know what it feels like when you're innocent and you're not a spy and someone is saying, you're a spy, you're guilty. Neither connected me to you or Chaim You said I was this, that, and the other thing. Now I'm going to do the same thing to you. To be a on what you did. But listen to what happens. They don't get it. Wait, wait. Which was number one the worst thing that could happen. And, and that's what I'm going to show you how, how this, it's unbelievable how this breaks down. Because it says in the Pasik, right? This was, this was, this goes back, I don't know if I gave girls or boys, so I'm not sure if I said this to you, but this is beautiful. And oh, is this so true? This is so true in our system and in what's going on today. What a big Pasik, Pasik has. And Yosef recognized his brothers. And if you remember, I told you, I don't know if it was you or the girls, that when the Malach met Yosef, he asked him not where are you going, but what do you want? Should have asked him where are you going? He didn't ask him. I said, what do you want? And he said, I want to find my brothers. I want to belong. We all want to belong. The reason kids are in the street because the street accepts them and we don't accept them. Right? So, imagine. Tell you a story with me, so that I can understand. I can explain this to you. So, so a Rebbe once once said something really, really 
terrible to me and made me feel really, really bad. And I held it inside for a very, very long time. 30 years, pretty long. And then he pushed me in a certain way and I reacted and I confronted him about what he said 30 years ago. And I was looking just for validation because really, if someone hurt you a long time ago, you can't go back in time, but you want to be validated that you were hurt. So I said to him, how'd you do this to me? You know, how'd you say this to me? You made me feel like nothing. And, and he said, I never said that to you. I said, I'm living this for 30 years in my heart. How did you tell me you never said this to me? He said, I know myself. I would never say such a thing. Meanwhile, he said it twice to me, right? So I wasn't validated. In other words, you hurt me, and you don't even care enough about me to validate me that, that you did something wrong. So I was like, who knows how many other people you said it to if, if you don't even realize that you said it, you are so not sensitive. Look what happened here. All Yosef told them off, all they want to do is belong. They sold him down the river to Mitzrayim. He meets them. He's hoping in his heart. And it says that Yosef looked exactly like Yaakov. Exactly. They're the same face. So, by Yaakov, Yosef is Echov. He said, I recognize you. I, I always recognize you. I always wanted to be part of the brothers. But the problem that was when he first got there, when they put him in the pit, was still here. And for the next bunch of psukim to this week's parasha, he is trying to get them to recognize that he exists, that Yosef is alive. And that's why when he finally said, I need Yosef, this week's parasha, they couldn't breathe. They lost their neshama. Because that was the whole problem. He was screaming at them. I just want a recognition. I want it to be part of you. How could it be you still don't know who I am? They did not recognize him. So he said, you still don't recognize me? You still didn't learn from the whole thing? I remember I remember the dreams. And he said, you're a bunch of Moroccans. So what did they say? No, we're all the children of one. We're not Moroccan. Right? Like he, he, if you look back, I, I know that you don't like when I do text, but it's very important to know the words. But they said, when they said to Yosef that we're both all fed and all from the same problem, they, they unconsciously said him too, right? Is that what the question that they bring down? Yeah, because he was part of them, but they didn't realize that, that the Nebuah came out of their mouth, yeah. They said we're all from one father, he was sitting there. So they didn't realize what they were saying, that we're all from one father because they talk away. He realized it, but they didn't realize it. Many times you say Nebuah and you don't, you don't realize it. Let me just see what he says here. He says he felt bad that they didn't have but they didn't have pity on him. Okay, let's go further. I'll find it. Um, okay, so they go through this whole thing. Ah, yeah. Pasuk Chof Aleph, this is very, very important, right? Pasuk Chof Aleph, 
And the brothers all said to each other, We are indeed guilty. On our brother Yosef. We, we saw his heartfelt anguish when he pleaded with us, and we didn't listen. That's why we're in trouble. They totally missed it. What was Yehuda saying here? What were the brothers saying? Really, he deserved Misa. Really, he deserved to be sold. Really, he's bad. But, we should have had pity on him. We're right. We're right. But we should have had pity on him. Because he was our brother, and he was crying. We should have had pity on him. Yosef, the whole time, was saying, no, no. It's not that you did something wrong that you didn't have pity on me. You did something wrong because I wasn't guilty. You guys don't get it. You think that your Avera is that you didn't have pity on me. No. You were Chayshik B'Cherim. That was your Avera. You were wrong. So what does he do? He says, I call them spies. They're not getting it. They're not going inside and saying, one second, Mida Kenega Mida, Hashem does Mida Kenega Mida. Why is this guy calling us spies? Calling us spies, we're innocent. So he's a Chayshik B'Cherim. So we must be Chayshim Sheriff. So we were wrong when we did to Yosef. No, they're like, well, we didn't have pity on him. We were right. But we should have had pity on him. So what did Yosef do? He says, let me try again. Let's try again. So he takes all the stuff and he puts it in there, the, 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 the money, and he puts it back in there, in there, what's it called? In there. And they're like, none of us would take anything. None of us would steal. Right? And again, He's Chayshim And then by Binyamin, right, in, in the end of, in the end of Mitate, he does it again. He puts the cup, his cup, in Binyamin, right? They're like, nobody would have ever taken anything. He's like, he stole it. He has to stay here. He's Chayshim on purpose. Yosef is setting up a play, drama, of Chayshim B'Kshirim. The best play. Right? Chayshim B'Kshirim. That's not true. Benyamin didn't take it. So they should have said at this point, what's going on over here? First he calls the spies. Not true. Then he says Benyamin stole the cup. No way. Not true. Hello. How does it feel? How does it feel when someone tells you you did something that you didn't do? How does it feel to be accused falsely? Get the point. Come back and say, Hashem, we're sorry. That we made a mistake and we accused our brother. Look what happens every single time. They don't get it. So now we go further, right? We go further. So they take, first of all, Yaakov gives him a bracha, which is very important to this week's Pasha. They thought they were right. That's when you get, I'm, I'm leading up to this week's Pasha. They thought they were right. So we go Vita. And then, 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 he says like this, listen, listen. He gives a bracha. Listen to this, listen to this. Be'al Shaddai, yitein lochem, rachamim. He gives them, before they go down now with Binyamin. And God should give you rachamim lefnei ish, that the man should have pity on you. Right? 
and he should let them let you go. He gives them a bracha that he should have pity on them. Okay, now, so they go down, and the same thing happens. The same thing happens. So no, you take a shot. My brother told me this shot. So they 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 they, they catch him with it with, with it in the thing. What do they say? They take down their thing, but Yiftu Isha Makta, they open it up, but you must say Via Bamkasan Yamin. And he says Again he says, hold on. That it's because we didn't have pity. They didn't get it yet. Okay, so now we come to this week's parsha. So what happens? So, so right. My father said we can't come. Yosef, this apek he wasn't able. Pasuk Aleph, Perak Memhe, could not restrain himself anymore. Couldn't hold himself back. And he made sure that nobody else was in the room. And he began to cry. What happens here? What does this mean? That he wasn't able to restrain himself. He restrained himself until this point. What happened here all of a sudden that he couldn't restrain himself? It wasn't a matter of time. What happened here? Because Yosef was not going to stop until the brothers understood that the Avera that they did was not because they didn't have mercy, but the Avera that they did was because they were wrong, they were Chayshik Pichayim. And he was not going to stop putting them in a position like he did with calling them spies, like he did with fixing and putting the cup in the thing. He was going to continue doing this to them until they would realize that it wasn't about pity, but it was about what they did wrong. But Yaakov Avinu gave them a bracha. And Yaakov Avinu gave them a bracha that the Maishel, not knowing that it was Yosef, should have rachamim on you. Because of that bracha, he, he couldn't control himself anymore. Even though he wanted to do another test and another test and another test, but Yaakov gave him a bracha, he should have rachamim. So it wasn't a, a conscious thing that he, that he said, I can't control myself, everybody out. Because of the bracha of Yaakov, he couldn't control himself anymore. He could not do another test on them. Because Yaakov gave such a bracha. And he was, he was done with the, tell me that what you did wrong was not having pity on me. So he said, Ani Yosef, Ha'oid Avichai, I am still alive. So 
So don't talk to me about the chain. If I was Chayv Misa, according to the way you judged me, I wouldn't be alive anymore. So you're walking around your whole life and you're saying all these bad things that are happening to me by Yehudah Yehuda. Yehuda dropped from his malchus right after he sold Yosef. They came out to betray him. They were called spies. Shimon was a, was a, was a captive. Now Benjamin is a captive. And we have it all figured out. The kid was crying, save me. We didn't have Rachamim on him. As he said, no, that's not what happened. You were wrong. You're living a lie. Your whole life, guys, you're living a lie. I need Yosef. When a person finds out that he's living a lie and that everything he did was false, so the brothers could not answer him. They, they, because when a person, when you come up after 120 years and you think you were a good guy and you find out that everything you did was wrong and that you had a fadreta cup, your head was screwed up and you made, you made bad things into good things and good things into bad things and you come up there and you find out the truth. And the Christian Bolton says, now I need you. He says, I am God! Oh. Then what? Atheist, not atheist. I did believe, I didn't believe. The end of the day, I need Yosef. I am, this is the truth. Face the truth. So the brothers, and they were not little people, right? What happens? One second. They couldn't answer him. Because what was their answer? We're being punished because we didn't have pity. That was, they realized now that that answer that they were living was completely not true. And what a shame. I, I just, you know, I, whatever, this person that died that I know, he wasn't religious or anything. And I'm like, now you're going to know the truth. <laughs> the minute you closed your eyes and you left your body, you found out the truth. What a terrible trip. Find out you lived your whole life and you thought it was about cars and money and girls and music and clothing and shoes and ties and all the stuff and food and all the stuff that you think life's about. Then you get up to the next world and you realize all that time and money and effort that you could have helped the world and changed the world. Oh my God, you lived a lie. So it says, and that's what, that's what the Medjur says. The Medjur says that we learn from this, right? Um, it's a Medjur Tachuma. He says the following. The major says, and the Chidot talks about this, that when he said this, um, he says like this. Before I would say this, there's a, there's a very beautiful shot. Where's my cup? A very beautiful shot. He says like this in the post It says, he says, I need Yosef Oed Avichai, right? The Lord Yachu Echav Lano is Itoi Kidim Halumi Panav. They couldn't answer him because they were in such shock. So, what does this mean? I need Yosef Oedavichai. He says that he was, he was trying to, um, he was trying to tell them that it's not their fault. Because if you take the word Yosef, the word Yosef equals 156, right? Samach is 60, Pei is 80, so 1680 is 140. Yud is 10 and Vav is 6. So it's 156. The word kina, kuf nun alaf hey, jealousy equals 156. And he, it says that a person whose name is Yosef, brought down from a sefer, Demisha Shema Yosef should know that people are going to be very jealous of him. Why? Because Yosef is the gematria kina. So he was saying, I need Yosef, right? 
I am Yosef, therefore, that's why you sold me, because my name is Yosef. And you were jealous, it's not your fault, because of my name, it equals kin, as he was trying to learn, learn on that. Okay, but anyway, so it says like this, um, he could, they couldn't answer, so Abba, Abba Kain Bardala says, when it comes to the day of judgment, when it comes to the day of Techacha, when we get criticism from Hashem, Bilam, Bilam was Chacham, he was the, the wisest of all the Goyim, right? He was their wizard, he was their Moshe Rabbeinu. When his donkey gave him criticism, he couldn't handle it. Yosef was the youngest of all the tribes. And they couldn't handle his criticism. When Hashem judges us, what are we going to say? We're not going to be able to answer. We're not going to be able to, to answer. So he says here also, the Chidot says, that we know that the face of Yosef the face of Yosef was exactly like the face of Yaakov. So it says that Nithalumipanov, that he had the same face as Yaakov. So he was, he was, Yosef was saying, how could you not recognize me? How could you not recognize me? I looked exactly like my father. So, so you guys, he didn't say, how could you not recognize me? He said, Nithalumipanov. They couldn't believe when he said Yosef, and they looked at his face, they couldn't believe, like, how could we not know this? How could we not know that he was alive? Because they believed that he was Chayim Misa, and that he wasn't alive because he was Chayim Misa. But the question is, right, yeah, so they, get left it, they left it to the Ishmael, Solomon, whatever, you know, they'll take care of business. But it's interesting, um, he also says here that Hold on a second. A very interesting chiddush. So, see where I wrote down. No, nobody recognized him. I, you see, it's a very you know I can't say this on my own, but um, he gave him so many hints. He 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 lined them up. He lined them up. In the in the when, when they sat at the table, he lined them up in their ages without them telling him. He lined them up in the ages. He looked like them, right? He gave them all these hints, and they didn't. And so what? So did Yaakov. He surely looked like Yaakov with the beard. He was clean shaven is one thing, but he also had a beard. When you when you think you're right, the truth can be staring you in the face, and you won't see it. With all the hints, you're so sure you're right. It can be in your face. He looked like them. He lined them up, right in 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 age group. Something was strange over here, right? They didn't pick it up because they were very sure that they were right. They weren't looking for your safe. Because we didn't have pity on him. They were right. He was guilty, but they should have had Rahmanis on him. And that's not what you said. They said, you know, don't give me the don't don't no, 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 you were guilty. 
you are guilty for selling me. But when you're so sure of your, you, you can be, it can be in your face. I've seen it many times. It can be in your face. You can look exactly like his father. You won't see it because I see my opinion. I see what I think. And, and that's what he said to them. He said, you, you, you lived a lot. You lived a life of, of, of a lie. But in the, in the, in the end, in the end, with it all, with the end, who just see who Yasef Tzadik was? In the end, he said, listen, the bottom line is that it was meant to be. It doesn't mean that you should have hurt me, but in the end of the day, it was meant to be. And then the Pasha Rayichi, at the end, he tells the brothers, don't, 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 don't go into your, don't, don't go into your psyche and blame yourselves. In the end, I had to come down to Mitzrayim, and, and I, and I had to save Klai Yisrael. And this almost went to a crazy war between, between Yosef and Yehuda. Yehuda was going to kill him. And if the, I, one day, I, many years ago, I read the Medrash, what a, what a war it was. He broke this, and then he brought, then Menashe did this, and then he did that, and then Menashe did this. And they were again a hint, because they knew that only the children of Yaakov had that power. And this Menashe, whatever, whatever Yehuda did, Menashe did one better. Hello? Start thinking, something's wrong here. And, no, no, he didn't understand. The Medrash says he didn't understand. We, it had to be from Yaakov, and there's no Yaakov here. It, it, it was screaming at him. So many times the truth is screaming at us, but we have, we made up our minds that this is what it is, and it can be right in front of you, and, and, and you don't see it. And, and that's, that's maybe we should learn from this that, that, that before you make a decision, before you before you judge somebody else, you, you need to, to think twice, to think three times, four times, five times. What a lesson over here. You don't want to ever hear, you know, um, there's a girl in my school who is doing like absolutely, absolutely amazing. And, um, she met the principal that threw her out three years ago. And he was like, wow, wow, you know, she, 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 she went to seminary and she grew up and she's from and, and whatever it is. And she sort of said, I need Chavi. And you threw me out. You judged me like they judged Yosef. You gave up on me. You threw me out. You had Rachmanis on me maybe for half a year and kept me. But then you threw me out. But you were wrong. A little more attention, a little more love, and a little more care. And I could, I could have been this girl for you. How many times do people say, I need Yosef? I'm your wife. I'm your wife. You've been treating me this way. This, I'm your wife. I need Yosef. I need Rivki. I, hello, I'm your daughter. I'm your wife. I'm your mother. You judge me so many times the wrong way. You're so sure of yourself that I'm in front of you and you don't realize who I am. And you don't treat me the way that you're supposed to treat me. I'm your child. I'm your parent. The same relationship. You don't ever want to get that shot because you can't answer that's the worst shock in, the, in a person's life is living a life of a lie and finding out all the way at the end that all that work and all that stuff you did was false. And they lost their neshama, it says. They died on the spot. They died on the spot. The shvatim died on the spot. And Amalek had to come and bring back their neshamas. The shock was so bad that, that, that look what we did to our brother. This is our whole life. We're thinking... We did the right thing, and we're walking around like, like Tzadik, and when we did the wrong thing. And he said, Were you worried about anybody else in your equation? What a, what a var. 
We don't have time tonight for this, but what a word he said. Why did he say Oyed Avichai? He knew his father was alive. Why did he ask that question? He should have said, I need Yosef. What's the question of Oyed Avichai? Five times you'll see before when they met him. It's, it's, it, we have an old father, he's alive, he doesn't want to send his kid. So why was he, why was he worried at this? Why did he ask that question? So one answer is, because he said to them, in Pasha's Mika, in Pasha's Yigash in the beginning, he said the story over again, my father, we had 11 kids and one died and, and now this son is down, you have to let him go to that. And yes, he said, hold on a second. Yeah. They're lying. Yeah, you're, you're a hypocrite. No, they're lying. They said one died, I didn't die. Oh. They, didn't, they don't know that, why are they saying I died? They should have said the truth. We sold him. Oh. So because they couldn't tell that we sold him, they lied. And they made up a story. And they said, no, they didn't think he died. No, they were actually, the, actually the major said that when they came down to Mitzrayim, the first place they went was to the prostitution brothels. Because they knew how good looking he was. And he was sure that these Yishmaelim sold him, that's where they were. They went through all the brothels looking for him. They weren't looking for him as the king of Egypt. They didn't see his potential. They didn't see the girl, the principal threw her out. He didn't see that this girl had the potential to become what she is today. So they went to the brothels. If they would have realized that he's Yosef and he had potential, they would have looked in the kingdom. Where is he? An advisor? Where is he? But they judged him as a lowlife and a dreamer. So where are you going to look for such a person? As a king? So they went to the brothels. They didn't know his potential. And now they found out. Brothels? I need Yosef. Brothels? I'm the guy that just saved the whole world. That's what you're looking for me. So they said, he asked now, uh-oh, they made up a story because they didn't want to tell me the truth that they sold their brother, so they made up a lie so that they wouldn't get into trouble. They said, I died. They know I didn't die. Well, they can't say I died for sure. So they lied. Ah, they're lying because they don't want to tell the truth. Because So maybe they're lying about their father because they want to get Benjamin back safe. So now he asked, after they said that their brother died, he said, I love but there's a much deeper question and this is what I'm ending the share with he said something nairidic he said you know what you judged me you made a bezdin you came out to a conclusion that I should die I need Yosef I need Yosef it's acceptable you made a mistake you made a mistake you made a judgment, you made a mistake. But what about my father in the equation? Where did it come? Did you think about before you accused me and sentenced me to death? Did you think about what it's going to do to my father? Did you think outside of yourselves? And what you decided is right or wrong? How is it going to affect another person? How is it going to affect your father? Did you think about that? I need I safe. I accept you made a mistake. I don't accept that you didn't take our father into the equation. And they stepped back and said, that we don't have an answer for. They had nothing to say. Yosef, they said, listen, we made a judgment. We had a bezin. Hashem was part of that bezin. He was the tenth. We made a judgment. We had a bezin. Yuchai Misa. He said, I need I safe. Okay, fine. It was a question. I need Yosef, I agree. But Ha'oyi My father's still alive. Did you know that he could live through that pain? Did you take in consideration the effect that's going to have your judgment, your call on another person? 
when you threw the girl out of school, did you think about the effect of a girl on the street, who's she going to marry? And what kind of kids are going to have? And how it's going to affect her children and her grandchildren and her family and her parents? How old are they? Did you think when you throw a kid out of school, how it's going to affect her parents, her mother and her father and her brothers? So we can accept you threw the kid out. She deserves to get thrown out. But did you take in the husband, Mr. Principal, Mrs. Teacher? Did you take into consideration when you fire someone from a job, what it's going to do to his wife? What's going to do to his kids? Was that part of your equation? It wasn't part of your equation, said Yosef. The only part of your equation was me. I accept that. But did you think about my father? When you make an equation, before you do something to someone, did you think about his father, his children, his wife, her life in the street? She deserves to be thrown in the street. She did a terrible thing. I agree. She deserves to be thrown out of school. But ha'oid. So he's asking a very ridiculous question. He should have said, is our father alive? He said, because when you don't think of the reaction of what you're doing, how it affects that person, they're not your father. It's my father. With your father, then you think about when you do something, how it's going to affect him. You don't think about how it's going to affect him, then at that moment that you made that judgment, he wasn't your father because he wasn't in the equation. They couldn't handle that. They stepped back. They couldn't handle that. That they had no answer for. You said they had an answer for. We judged you. Did you judge my father at the same time? Was he in your judgment? Was my father in your judgment? Was my brother Benjamin in your judgment? That's not your father. If he's not in your judgment, when you step out and when you misbehave, when a, when a girl or a boy goes off to Derek, is that your father? When you're busy making a decision for yourself, what I want to do, and you don't take into consideration the effect it's going to have on your family, you're so selfish, what it's going to do to your sister and your brother and your mother and your grandfather, what you're about to do, what you're about to step out. So he's not your father. He's your father. He's in the equation. So you guys say, he wasn't your father. You didn't think about what it's going to do to him. Is he still alive? How did you know he would live through this? There was no answer. The Neshamas went out. They had no answer. Then Allah brought the Neshamas back. What a lesson. When you do something to someone else, the equation that you have to take in as a teacher or a principal or a boss or anything that affects another person, you have to take into that equation their whole family and their future. And trust me, if we would do that, a lot less kids would be in the streets. How can I take responsibility on this guy's children in the next generation? Because I threw him in the street, now he's going to marry a non-Jew or a modern person or whatever it is. The effect, the ripple effect, that's what a person has to take into consideration. And that's what Yosef was telling his brothers. I need Yosef, I can handle it. But how'd you know dad could handle it? How'd you know he could live through this? You didn't. You didn't think about him. That was his time to the brothers. But in the end, in the end, when my son Yosef coming down to Mitzrayim saved the world. But that's not your, that's not, that's from Hashem. That's not your picture. I heard somebody say that. So then what do you want from the brothers? What's this whole thing? Because if Hashem wants to save the world, you don't have to sell your brother to do it. 
he has many different drachim. They sold the brother who came through that, but Hashem has many, many, many different drachim. Anyway, it's a, it's a huge lesson. So the two things we need to work out here tonight is, number one, if something's pure and you do something through purity, you have the power to go above Teva. You have the power to go to eight. You have the power to do anything. That's what you need to take into the winter, into the dark winter. I can do anything, but it has to be pure. It has to be not mixed. It has to have no tummy. It has to no no fingers of the Greek of the of the of civilization of of the, of the things that we live with. It has to be 100 percent pure. And if you have one little thing that's pure in you, you could you could change the whole world. And the second lesson that we have to do is that when we make a decision regarding any person and regarding yourself. Your parents have to be in that equation. Your mother and your father, your future children, your future wife, your sisters and brothers, and your whole family. Before you take that step, before you take that drink, before you smoke the pot, before you do anything that can hurt anybody in this world, you have to think about what I'm about to do. Is this just about me or is this going to affect other people? They have to be in that equation. Because if they're not in that equation, then according to what Yosef said, it's Avi. Then they're not even, they don't, they don't exist in your life. They exist in your life. That means they're part of your equation before you do anything. And that's how a person has to think. And that's a crazy lesson that we learned from Yosef HaTzadik. We should see Mashiach Ben Mashiach Ben David Ben You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.